Have you ever wondered if God sees you? Have you ever wondered if God hears you? Have you ever wondered or found yourself in a situation where you're asking God if your prayers and your cries out to him are being heard? Or are they just being drowned out by the noise of the world? Have you ever found yourself wondering, God, do you even see me? Because I found myself in this place a couple weeks ago, beginning of January. I was here at work. It's a every everyday normal Tuesday. And all of a sudden, I feel these little bumps start forming on my chin. And I'm like, I'm 40. If this is acne, I'm done. Like, but truly, I was like, you know what? I've had hives before. And this feels like the beginning of some hives. And so I quick do what I do because I hate going to the doctor. And I hopped on telehealth. I'm like, hey, doc, I got the hives. Send me a steroid, pretty please. And they said, okay, great. Send me a steroid. But wouldn't you know, over the next two days, didn't get any better. And I ended up being covered head to toe in giant, red, itchy, terrible hives. And oh, then the swelling started. (laughs) My feet, my hands, they were unrecognizable. My face, my ears, you know how they're supposed to bend? Yeah, they didn't do that for a while. My lips, everything was swelling up. And I found myself in the ER. Now, some people pay for those lips, those Kardashian lips, but I knew, like, this is not normal, and I should probably get, get that taken care of quickly. <laughs> the following three days, I was in and out of the ER, running every test on the planet, couldn't figure out what was causing such a severe reaction in my body. And so for 12 days, I was covered head to toe in hives. 12 days in my bed, asking God, what is going on, and saying, Jesus, heal me. Jesus, heal me. I was miserable. I wasn't sure if he saw me. Have you been there before? When you've asked God, where are you? And you're desperate and you're wondering if you're going to get your miracle. Because you know, if you were here last week, Julie shared with us about miracles, that Jesus is the miracle worker and oh, he is. (laughs) But today I want us to look at what comes before the miracle. You know, that part where you're saying, hey, Jesus, you see me? You know what I need? Can you even hear me? (laughs) Today, we're going to acknowledge the moments before the miracle and the part where we haven't seen our breakthrough yet. So we're going to look at a passage that we read in our one-year Bibles because we're reading these, right? Yeah. We're going to see who Jesus is to us in those moments before our miracles. So we're going to discover today that Jesus is the man of mercy. Would you pray with me this morning? Jesus, we welcome you, man of mercy. And you're already here. But I just pray that today, Lord, your mercy would be palpable. (laughs) May we experience you in a new way today, Lord. You're welcome here. So you be our teacher today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been here for a while, you know that as a church family, we are journeying through the one-year Bible together. And if you're not familiar with the one-year Bible, it just gives us a portion of scripture to read every single day so that in one year, we will have completed together reading the one-year Bible. And it's been so much fun. We felt like the Lord asked us to buy anyone who wanted a one-year Bible in our church family that we would buy them a copy. And we've given away over 1,400 Bibles. It's been amazing. Yeah. And in the hubbub of all the Bible given out, my three kids come to me because they didn't want to miss out. And they're like, we want a Bible. 
we want one, 13, 11, and nine. We want one. And I said, okay, here's the truth. I care too much about the church finances and I know what we're paying. So I'm like, but are you going to read it? Like, are you actually going to read it? Because if you're not going to read it, just, just don't take one, please. But if you're going to do it, fine. All three of them. Yes, we want to do this. It's like, great, you got to sign up on your own and you got to go pick it up on your own. And they did it. So they went to the lounge and they got their prayer over them when they picked up their Bibles. It was amazing. And let me say, they've been doing a pretty good job, right? I may miss a day. It's okay, right? They've been doing all right. But I want to take a moment and brag on my middle child, Claire. She's in fifth grade. And to this day, this 11-year-old has not missed one day in reading her one-year Bible. It's amazing. Also, I want to tell her, like, it's okay, like, literally, it's okay to miss a day, so just, just chill a little bit, but it's good. It's really, really good. <laughs> but I have loved watching her be transformed by the word. Do you know what I have not loved? Oh, the questions. You guys, here's, here's, the, here's the truth. You get a fifth grader reading the Bible, especially those first couple, you know, Genesis, it comes with a lot of questions, and I do not have all the answers. I stand before you. I do not know it all, I promise. But one of my favorite things to do is at the end of the day, when Claire's reading her Bible, she'll come into my room, and she'll give me a little recap on what she's been learning. And uh, I, I recorded her a couple times, but I want to share one that I recorded with her permission. She said I could share it uh, from Genesis, just to show you what it's like to be in the mind of a fifth grader. Take a look. This is, this is, he kissed Rachel, his cousin, just out of nowhere, just after she brought the flock of sheep over. And then the uncle took her to the house. And then she now, he's now marrying Rachel and the sister. And they're just okay with it. I know, it's really messed up. So People is this part up. where the kids have hanky-panky with their dad. They get him drunk and then they okay. have hanky-panky. It's so, so messed up. Theme of the Bible. It's messed up, right? She's not wrong. It's messed up, right? The Bible recounts real stories of real human behavior. And you know what? They messed it up. <laughs> and what it shows us over and over again is our need for a savior, our need for mercy. It's the whole theme of the Bible, right? We're lost, we're broken, we're hurting, and we need the man of mercy. We need Jesus to be present. This is the story that the Bible tells us. This is what we would call the gospel, which means good news. Here's the good news. God loved us so much, each individual person, that he couldn't just leave us on our own, hurting and broken. He couldn't do that. So instead, he sends his son, Jesus, to rescue us. So Jesus comes to the earth, and he lives a perfect, sinless life. And then he dies on the cross as a sacrifice for all sin, for all time. And then he's risen again from the dead. He defeats death, and he offers salvation to anyone who believes in him. This is the gospel. We know this story? My question is this. Why? Why would he do that? Why would he choose to do such a thing? What is it about who he is that would motivate him to give up everything for a world who might still reject him? Why would he do that? Well, we've been learning so much about Jesus as we've been studying his life, um, specifically in the book of Mark, which we've been reading in the one-year Bible. And what we've been seeing are things about his character and his motives and his heart posture. And so far, we've learned that Jesus is the kingdom bringer. Last week, we learned that Jesus is a miracle worker. And today, we're going to discover that Jesus is very present to us in our moments before the miracle. 
And what we're going to discover is that he is a man of mercy. And so let's chat here just for a second about what mercy is. Uh, because I think oftentimes we kind of lump mercy and compassion into one little ball of love. And we don't really understand that their uh, distinctions are pretty important to, to articulate. So we're going to give some definitions today. Now, there's lots of definitions, so hear me say that. But for today, we're going to define compassion and mercy this way. Compassion is the feeling or emotion when a person is moved by the suffering or distress of another and by the desire to relieve it. That's compassion. And mercy is defined as a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. So where compassion is a feeling, mercy is an action. You guys ever watch that commercial it's probably in the 90s. Those are ads for you young people. They were called commercials. And we used to watch them on the television. And there were these sad little puppies that would come across the screen. And you'd hear the song, Sarah McLaughlin, you know it. In the arms of the angels. Sing it with me. Yeah. Okay. That's all I know, actually. Do you know it? Oh, good. Keep singing. <laughs> anyway, so you, 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 you'd hear this song and you'd watch these sad little puppies and you would be moved. There's something in your gut that goes, oh, I want to help. That is compassion. Everyone say compassion. Now, if you, you can be moved and move on. You can watch the commercial and go, oh, that's nice. Someone else will take care of it. That's compassion. But if you are moved to act on it, that's mercy. So maybe you are like, oh my goodness, I have to adopt one of these puppies. I must make it better. Or, oh my, I need to write a check to help this beautiful organization. That's mercy. So compassion is a feeling. Mercy is the action. And we see all throughout scripture that Jesus is moved by compassion and that leads to mercy and ultimately to miracles. We read record after record of the mercy of Jesus in scripture. We see that his mercy is not only in his teachings, but it's present in how he lives his life. It's present in his actions. And so today we're gonna highlight just a couple passages of scripture that show us that Jesus is indeed a man of mercy. Uh, you know, last week, Julie shared with us from Mark chapter five, the feeding of the 5,000. Remember? You do remember? Yeah, you do. Okay, I can see you. You can just, yeah. She, she told us about how Jesus fed the 5,000. Mark chapter five. You skip ahead a couple chapters that we read this week in Mark chapter eight. And you know what happens? Jesus feeds the 4,000. Now, pause. Well, first let's read the, the scripture and then I'm gonna unpack it. Okay, Mark chapter eight. In those days, when again, a great crowd had gathered, again, they had nothing to eat. He called his disciples to him and he said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. Now, if you're thinking what I'm thinking, you're wondering how in the world do we end up in this place again, right? Mark chapter five, hungry people, miracle needed. They're starving. Mark chapter eight, Hungry people, miracle needed. The people are starving. It, does anybody go like, why in the world did nobody pick up that we need to plan for something like this? Like, it shocks me that they didn't quite get it. Nobody planned ahead. But what I want to look at most specifically is what happens before those miracles, before he feeds the 4,000. People are hungry. Miracle happens. What takes place between those two things? It's compassion. It's mercy. 
Jesus is moved by compassion. It said it right there in the scripture. Towards these people who have nothing to eat. He's moved to mercy, which is an action. And I got to do something about this. And that mercy leads to the miracle. He multiplies the bread and the fish. Now, he could have done what I would have probably done, which is like, I'm sorry, we've been here before. Like, I I took care of you last time. On your way now. Go on. Figure it out. But he doesn't do that. Because mercy doesn't push you away. Mercy leans in. He doesn't say, figure this out, kid. He said, I'm going to help you. Mercy leans in. And he multiplies the fish and the bread, and the people are fed. You know, Jesus was often seen leaning in with the marginalized people in society. And these are the ones that the religious elite would avoid. And time, to, time and time again, we see Jesus show men and women compassion and mercy rather than judgment. He does this all the time. Specific instance in John chapter 8, when there was a woman who was caught in adultery. And by law, the punishment of this crime was death by stoning. So we get to this moment where she's sitting there at Jesus's feet and all of these men are getting ready to stone her, which is again, by law, what is in their right to do. She committed a crime and this was the punishment for the crime. And yet in those moments, he doesn't push her away. He doesn't shame her. He doesn't condemn her. He actually says to all these other men who are getting ready to stone her, he says, okay, again, by law, yeah, sure. But the one of you who has never sinned you go first. And when they're holding those stones, one by one, they all drop to the ground because mercy triumphs over judgment. And his compassion leads to mercy towards this woman. And she actually experiences two miracles this day, right? There was compassion, there was mercy, and the miracles were one, she wasn't killed. Hooray, right? That's great. That's a great miracle. But the second miracle is that she was forgiven of her sins. Because Jesus says to her, hey, now when you leave this place, don't do that anymore. There's a better way to live. Go and sin no more. I've got something better for you. So compassion and mercy precede the miracle. That's what happens in those moments before the miracle happens. Now, this idea of mercy is found all throughout the teachings of Jesus. He explicitly tells his followers to be merciful When we read that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown louder. Mercy, yeah. Jesus emphasizes here the reciprocal nature of mercy, meaning we extend it, we receive it. We extend it, we receive it. How many of you have needed mercy before? I know I have. We extend it, we receive it. So compassion and mercy precede the miracles. And we see that mercy comes in so many different forms. We just went through it, right? Feeding the sick, forgiving sin, loving the unlovable, being generous with those who cannot repay us. The list goes on and on and on. But mercy also shows up in the form of healing the sick, right? Jesus shows that he cares. He demonstrates his compassion and mercy when he heals our physical bodies. And there are so many examples of healing in scripture, but I want to highlight one in Mark chapter one. Here we're reading that Jesus heals a man with leprosy. 
Now, if you're not familiar with leprosy, it's a terrible skin disease, and it comes with this social stigma with it too, because what happens is you have to be isolated from everyone else. So there's this miserable skin condition, head to toe, and you don't get to be with anybody ever, and that kind of does, I mean, it's just a different mental battle that, that plays into your life. Now, as someone who recently had the hives, I can, I can like mildly relate to the leprosy, right? Like, I mean, I'm not saying like, oh my gosh, it was like leprosy, but kind of like I had head to toe hives. I had swelling all over my body. It was absolutely terrible. And I was miserable. But here's what I want to tell you. Jesus will meet us in our misery. He will meet us in our misery. Mark 1, moved with compassion. This is towards the leper. Jesus reaches out and he touches him. He says, I'm willing. Because he asks, like, are you willing, Lord? He says, I'm willing. Be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. It's beautiful. Right? Jesus felt compassion toward this man, which led to mercy, which led to the miracle. And instantly this gentleman was healed. Now, I wish I could tell you that my story was the same. Miraculously, one day, just whoop, everything was just disappeared. Um, that is not the case. I told you earlier a little bit about in January, I had the hives, right, head to toe. And I've instructed them they can quickly show a very quick picture, very quick, and then get rid of it. See my lips? I didn't pay for those. And then the hives, they were just mild. There's worse pictures, but I have a little dignity. So, okay. My body's covered head to toe. I'm absolutely miserable. Here's what I want you to know. I prayed. And people prayed. (laughs) But what I want you to know is I wasn't instantly healed. And that means I laid in my bed for 12 days with no reprieve. Medicine was doing nothing. Benadryl knocked me out. That was kind of nice for a moment. But nothing was healing me. And every single day I cried out to God, just heal me. God, heal me. What's wrong with me? I whined to him about all the work I was missing. Didn't he know? Right? I did. I cried every day because I felt like such a burden to my family. It doesn't feel good. I was miserable. And I wondered in those moments, God, do you see me? Can you hear me? You're a miracle worker. Let's go. Here's the saddest part. I was so focused on the miracle that I missed out on his mercy. I was so focused on the the healing miracle that I missed out on his presence. That the man of compassion, that the man of mercy never left my side. When I was in and out of the ER, not one time, not two times, not three times I went to the ER, he was with me. When they admitted me to the hospital, where I lasted for six hours before I discharged myself because I just didn't really like it there. We talk about that later. He was with me. When I laid in bed day after day and the doctors finally just said, "Mm, we don't know, he was with me. And here's what Jesus told me. 12 days in, 12 days out. Let me explain what I mean. Right before I had the hives, um, I had taken a prescription for um, an antibiotic. I had some dental work done, so this was like preventative antibiotic. Now, this antibiotic is seven days, but I stretched it out to 12 days because I always forget to take my medicine. Um, So anyway, two days after I completed that 12-day antibiotic, 
is when all the hives started. And what I knew to be true, because I Googled all the things, right? I Googled, and I even told the doctors, I think maybe this is an allergic reaction, perhaps. They're like, yeah, but we can't test for that. So we're going to test for everything else. And the mental game that you go through when your hands are turning blue and they don't know why, it'll get you. Like, no, all your labs are clean. We don't know. Cool. And Jesus says to me, 12 days in, 12 days out, he said, for 12 days, you, in essence, poisoned your body with this awesome antibiotic. And so for 12 days, it's going to leave and it's going to be purged. And the peace that that brought me was unbelievable because he was present in my misery. He was present in my pain. I knew that he wasn't going to leave me. And I knew that he knew my body better than any doctor could. And no shame to the doctors. Like they were amazing. Like they were, they were great. But the bottom line is he knew what I needed and he never left me. He had compassion on me and he was merciful. How did he show up? Oh, even through all my friends coming in, visiting me, visiting Sparkle, visiting me at the ER, heard that curtain open, and I knew that was Sparkle Sanders. So I'm here to pray. I'm like, yes, you are. Meals, taking care of my kids. The mercy and the compassion of Jesus was so present, even before I saw my miracle. But if we would miss those moments, and I really, I really missed it a lot. <laughs> We'd be way more miserable than just resting in his compassion and trusting that he's going to make a way because he always makes a way. So I didn't see the immediate miracle of healing like we sometimes do, but I was walking in his mercy and his compassion. And thankfully, my body did finally heal. But if I could go back, which I hope never to do, but if I could, I would put my attention fully on the man of mercy and not just wait for the miracle. I would recognize that he was so present with me, but this can be so challenging. Is it just me or is this hard? This is really hard to do. We want to see the breakthrough. We want to see the healing because we know that's who he is. But here's what we got to know. We're not alone in this, right? The religious leaders of Jesus's day were challenged by this very thing and they were often looking for the miracle instead of putting their attention on the man of mercy. And so we actually read this passage this week on Monday in our one-year Bible in Mark chapter eight. And it's the Pharisees talking to Jesus about like, hey, show us the miracle, prove your authority. Show me, show me. We'll read this here in Mark chapter eight, uh, verse 11. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had arrived, they came and started to argue with him testing him. They demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit. And he said, why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. Yeesh. Right? So he got back into his boat and left them and crossed to the other side of the lake. The Pharisees were more concerned with what Jesus would do for them than they were about being with him. They cared more about seeing the miracle than they did about his mercy. Have we been there? I've been there. Prove it, Jesus. Just do it, Jesus. Miracle, miracle, yes. And yes, because it's who he is. But it's a great reminder for us today to keep our eyes on Jesus, who is the man of mercy, and not just on what he can do for us. Because his presence is far greater than any miracle he can produce. We have an opportunity every single day to rest in his compassion and rest in his mercy in those moments before we see the miracle. And there is a waiting period. Every miracle in the Bible, there were moments before it. 
Some of us are waiting in those moments right now. And I'm not saying stop praying for the miracle. We're going to talk about that. But man, as we pray, could we rest in his mercy? Can we rest in his compassion? Because those always precede the miracle. Now, we read another awesome um, example of God's mercy in the one-year Bible this week in Mark chapter 10. Uh, We see Jesus being moved by compassion and having mercy on a blind man named Bartimaeus. Because you already read it this week, because I know you did, right? You've been reading your one-year Bible. Rather than read the scripture to you, I want to tell you a little bit of a dramatized version of this story, just to really help paint the picture of what it might have been like for Bartimaeus this day. So if you would imagine with me, And close your eyes if you are so comfortable. Don't fall asleep. This scene. The streets were bustling in Jericho, as they did every day. You can hear the carts making their way through the streets. You can hear the people talking and the kids laughing and running around. I mean, this day was like every other day. And right there on the roadside sat Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. His days were spent in darkness, listening to the chatter, but never invited to participate. He begged day in and day out for his sustenance, relying solely on the generosity of those who would pass by. This day, as Bartimaeus sat with his cloak spread out before him, he heard a commotion approaching. The sound of footsteps mingled with voices in the air, and Bartimaeus knew that a crowd was passing by. He knew in his spirit, this was Jesus. And so sensing an opportunity, he called out loudly, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him hushed him. He said, be quiet, Bartimaeus, shh, stop it. Jesus isn't gonna talk to you, leave him alone. But Bartimaeus was desperate. And so he persisted shouting again, son of David, have mercy on me. And his persistent cry caught the attention of Jesus. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. Now, my friends, this is the moment before the miracle, right? Where Jesus has compassion on Bartimaeus and he doesn't push him aside and he doesn't ignore him. He leans in because mercy leans in. And so he ignores this whole crowd of people and he sees the one. He sees Bartimaeus. So with excitement and hope stirring in his heart, Bartimaeus throws off his cloak and he springs up to his feet, guided only by the sound of Jesus's voice. And the crowd made a way for him as he stumbled forward, his hands outstretched, desperate to reach the one who could change his life. And when he finally stood before Jesus, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Think about this, without the hope of a miracle, he would have just asked for money because Bartimaeus was a beggar. He did this every single day. He begged for just enough to get through the day, but Bartimaeus receives the compassion and the mercy of Jesus and he is filled with hope. And so he doesn't ask for something that's gonna satisfy him for a moment. He goes big and he says, change my whole life. I don't wanna do this thing anymore. When he meets the compassion of Jesus, he is filled with expectant hope. And so without hesitation, Bartimaeus replies, my rabbi, I wanna see. Jesus says to him, go for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see and he follows Jesus down the road. Now scripture doesn't say all of these things 
Again, go read it again. But I have a hunch that tears of joy began to just stream down Bartimaeus' face as he could see the faces of those around him, as he could see the vibrant colors in the sky above, and as he could see the radiant face of Jesus. I can imagine that he was overwhelmed with so much gratitude. So much, though, that he gets up and he follows Jesus down the road. I think he has a renewed sense of purpose, and that happened in a moment. Jesus, who was moved by compassion, had mercy on Bartimaeus, and he restores his sight because compassion and mercy precede the miracle. And there's so many things we can take away from this passage regarding mercy specifically, but I want to highlight just a few today. And the first is this. He sees you. He sees you. And he calls you by name. Laura, he calls you by name. John, he calls you by name. He sees you. In a crowd of thousands, he calls your name, Kezia. He calls your name because he loves you. And he's for you and he's crazy about you. And so when the voices of doubt and fear and skepticism start drowning out our cries for mercy, when we've been discouraged from approaching Jesus with boldness and confidence, when we wonder, do you see me? He does. And he calls you by name. And to me, this is the most miraculous thing of all, that the God of the universe sees me. And not only sees me, but wants to be in relationship with me. So not only do I get to call him my rabbi, I get to say, and that's my friend. That's incredible. What a miracle. He leans in. He loves us. He doesn't push us away. And so today, if you're in a place of waiting for your miracle, if you are desperately waiting for your miracle, look for the man of mercy. Receive his compassion. Receive his mercy because those are the things that precede the miracle. Number two. So first thing, he sees you. Number two, ask big. Ask big, right? Bartimaeus, he could ask for a meal. He could ask for a couple coins. He could have asked for enough to get through the day, but he doesn't. He says, change my whole life. Ask big. Do not be afraid to go to the Father and ask big. He wants to not just satisfy you for a moment. He wants to satisfy you for a lifetime. Don't be afraid to ask big. So what is our response when we see the compassion and the mercy and the miracles of Jesus? How do we respond to that? Well, Barnabas, he doesn't go away quietly. He actually gets up and he starts to follow Jesus down the road and he becomes a disciple. And that signifies a transformation that is so much more than just his physical healing. There was this spiritual awakening that happened and compelled Bartimaeus to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. And I think for some of us, we've experienced the compassion and the mercy and even the miracles of Jesus, but we have yet to become his disciple. And so we've waited and we've played in all these great things. We're like, but I don't know if I really want to follow him with my whole life. May we be so moved by his compassion and his mercy and his miracles that we can't help but follow him down the road. May we be so compelled to be with him that we'll leave it all behind. What a great opportunity. 
today to receive the compassion and the mercy and the miracles of Jesus and be completely transformed. But our response to that is now do the same for others. We read in Luke 6, overflow with mercy and compassion for others, just as your heavenly father overflows with mercy and compassion for all. Our response to the mercy of Jesus is to extend the mercy of Jesus to others. We receive, we extend, we receive, we extend. So today, if we're still in a place of waiting for our miracle, remember, these are important moments, these moments before. Rest in the compassion and the mercy of Jesus. He's so present. And it's okay to cry out to God. Cry out to God for what you need. Tell him what you need. Jesus asked Bartimaeus, what do you need? What do you want? Tell him, son of David, have mercy on me. This is what I want. This is what I need. Cry out to him. He wants to do more than we can think, ask, or imagine. And as we receive his compassion, as we receive his mercy, as we receive his miracles, may we partner in extending mercy to the world around us who so desperately needs it. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me if you're able? So Father, we thank you that you are here with us today. And Jesus, we celebrate that you are the man of mercy. It's who you are. And as we worship you through song and as we pray for one another, God, we are going to rest in your compassion. Would you show us who you are? Be so faithful. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you do. We love your presence and we welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen.